That one, Chris? Yeah? Anyone hear me all right? Yeah? Amen. Um, well, we had a really good uh, week of, of prayer uh, and fasting for those of us that were able to come to some of the meetings. It was a really good time. really felt the, the presence of the Lord. Um, and this morning I want to um, pick up uh, just a theme or a word that came out of that. Um, and uh, actually I, I'm, gonna, I'm calling it uh, the, secret, uh, the secret of being free from your past. Because that was one of the themes that really came out in our time, was that there are people that are still basically dealing with, or not dealing with, or still struggling with issues, uh, that have, things have occurred in their past that they haven't really got to grips with. And I had this picture. Now, Helen... Um, I know, where's Mark gone? Oh, oh, oh. Actually, this could be quite funny if Helen does it, because it's quite amusing, the thought of my wife. Do you want it, Chris, do you want to come up here? Oh, Joel, let's get Joel. Joel, come here. Come here, Joel, come on. Come here. Right, now I had this picture, right? Now this is a game, in Thailand you play a game, you've got to jump over it. Oh, just hold it. Just, just all you've got to do is stand there, right? And, and the thing is, right, it's elastic, right? And the thing is, if you haven't really dealt with your past, right, you can kind of go forward in God. And eventually there comes a point, let's see when, right, where comes a point when either something has to snap or what happens is you start to go backwards. Right? You can kind of go forward and you get, and if you, if you keep struggling and you haven't really dealt with it, it becomes quite tiring actually. Like, you know, they, uh, they, if you, those of us that are into fitness, right, um, you actually you can buy these things now, can't you? Um, and if you're a football player, they attach it to you and they, they make you run really, really hard with a massive bit of elastic attached to you because it builds up your muscles. Right? But the thing is, if you keep doing this for long enough, you eventually just get exhausted. Right? Because you haven't really dealt with the past and what happens is, basically sooner or later, it just pulls you backwards. And I had this, thanks Joe, that's all. She's well, my beautiful assistant. <clears throat> um, and I had that picture that there are people in our church that still have a bit like a huge elastic band attached around them, that they're kind of pressing forward into God and never really breaking through and never really getting free because they're still attached to something in their past. And so this morning I want to look uh, at that whole theme and that whole subject of what it means to get free from our past. What are the secrets to it? And I'm going to preach this morning um, from uh, just two verses, just two verses, which is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. It's a very familiar phrase that you will know in the Bible. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So I shall read that again. Alice, can you get us a drink? Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so I want to look this morning at unpacking those few lines and what they mean for us and how we need to recognise some of the the secrets of moving forward in God is finding freedom from our past. So what is the first first secret? Uh, It's this is that we have to acknowledge, every one of us, that we have a past. 
You may be 18 in this, mo in 18 this morning. Who's 18? Chloe? Yeah. Right. Or you may be 80. Yeah. Who's 80? Anyone? Yeah. Joyce, you 80. Amen. Right. Doesn't matter whether you're 18 or you're 80, you've got a past. You have. You have a past, right? And in that time, you will have done some good things. You will have done some bad things. Yeah? You will have done some silly things. I know I've done plenty of silly things. You'll have done some sensible things. Um, you'll have interacted with a lot of different people. Even come 18, you'll have interacted with hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. Some of whom have treated you really well, and others who may have mistreated you. Others who may have let you down. Others may have been supportive of you. But we all have a past. But generally, people categorise, when they look back at their past, they categorise it, I would say, into three different views. We see the past in three different ways. The first view is this. My past was quite good, really. Yeah? Um, you know, I've had a good upbringing, uh, had good parents, went to a decent school, got a good job. Maybe I made a few, mis many, a few silly mistakes. I know I made a few errors in my past, yeah? Uh, and I may be a little bit ashamed, but fundamentally, I'm, I, you know, my past is it's quite good, really. You know, I, I'm, I'm not really bothered about my past. I'm, you know, it's been quite good. It's not the kind of thing you make a TV show out of, is it? My life is not the kind of life you make a TV show out of. What, what did you, you know, the dynamic, exciting, eight, age 11, went to school, went to secondary school, the drama of like every other child in the world in England, you know, or not the world, in England, going to school at 11, you know, age 16, finished school, you know, like got a job, got married, had kids, you know, my life's fairly, but my life, you know, I'd say my past is a good past. That's, so that's the first, so most people, Many people, that's probably the majority of people, see their past as being largely quite good. The second group of people are the people that sort of see their past as bad. And not just, but bad because they made a mess of it. When they look at their life, they think, at least for part of my life, I made a mess of it. Maybe I, I, I look at my back at my life, and maybe you do this morning, and you think, yeah, I've made some mistakes, some big mistakes. And those mistakes have cost me dearly. And my life has is, is been marked by those mistakes, by those poor choices, by those negative consequences. Uh, and maybe you're a real bad boy uh, and your life will be made into an EastEnders soap opera episode, yeah? Okay, if you look back at your life, I know some, some people who look back at their life think, wow, that's an interesting story. Uh, and they're like, well, my, my past isn't very good, but it's my fault. And the third category of people are people that say, my life isn't good either. My past isn't good, but it's not my fault. I was a victim. I was a, a victim to circumstance. Somebody else made a mess of my life. I, I was messed up by what other people did. I wasn't messed up by the choices I made. I was messed up by the choices other people made. And these folk are dogged by a sense of uh, that their life has been fundamentally damaged by a parent or by a friend or by neglect or by rejection. Maybe you were in a relationship and that relationship uh, went bad uh, and they left you and, and it's, it's never quite been the same since. Maybe someone just has ignored you your whole life. And so for you, your story is sad and you feel like your life has been robbed. Now, the reality is, is that many of us probably feel that our life is a bit of a combination of all of those things. You know, there's been some good, there's been some bad and the mess that I've made and there's been some stuff that other people have been done. But this is the first thing that we really need to kind of understand when we're thinking about our past. Is whether you're good, whether your past has been good, whether it's been bad, or whether your past has been ugly. 
The problem is, is that nearly all the time we have an improper view of sin in relation to our past. We have an improper view of sin in relation to our past. You see, the good, those that look back on their life as largely being good, have a habit of minimising minimizing the importance of sin. Say things like, they say things like, and I know I have, I wasn't that bad. In fact, I was rather good, actually. You know, when I, got, when I became a Christian, I thought I was doing God a favour. Yeah? Because I was, a, eh? Many of us did. We thought we were doing God a favour. Yeah, God, I've come to surrender my life to me because you need me. Because I'm good. And I've had a good life. And I've been raised. And you don't know, my parents have taught me the Bible. And I can tell people about the Bible. And I'm good. And, you know, the problem is, is that we tend to minimise sin. We don't realise actually that we are, just because we've had a good past doesn't mean that we're not a sinful mess underneath the surface. So that's the, the good tend to minimise sin. The bad tend to maximise sin. The bad people, the people who have had a bad past, have made mistakes, tend to say things like, oh, I'm a bad person. I have made some bad mistakes. I've done some bad things. And there are people this morning that are riddled with a sense of guilt that God cannot forgive them or that they are not lovable by God because of the mess they made, because of the mistakes that they made. They view their sin as so big, they maximise sin so big, it's so big God could never deal with my mess because of the mess that I made of it. So good people minimise their sin. Bad folk maximise their sin that's right Samson yeah you're stealing my sermon Samson <laughs> you're getting ahead of yourself alright let me get there Samson alright let me get there that's all right. But those people that feel that their past has been ugly, their past has been messed up by someone else, they have a habit of focusing the sin problem on other people. It was other people's sin that caused my problem. It was other people's mistakes, other people's errors, other people's badness that messed up my life. I'm not the problem, they're the problem. Yeah? My life is ugly, but it's their problem, not my problem. So you see, you've got those that think, oh, you know, yeah, I'm quite good, I'm doing God a favour. They don't realise how sinful, really, they are outside of God. People that are, uh, you know, feel that they've made a mess of their life, that bad, they tend to maximise sin. They say, my sin's too great, I'm too bad. And people that have got an ugly past, that's been messed up by other people, tend to try and put the blame onto other people. You see, if we are to really, the first thing that we need to understand, if we're going to really get free from our past, is recognising that we all have to deal with the problem of sin in our own heart. Because the problem exists, not in anyone else, in me. And so I, there, are, there are three important truths that we need to get hold of when we think about sin in relation to our past. The first truth is this, is we are all wretched failures. Outside of God, we are all wretched failures. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. 
You little, you good boy. Me, I was a good boy. You know, I did a few naughty things. Um, I was rude to a lot of teachers. Uh, almost got kicked out of school a few times. Um, you know, I did one or two very shameful things that my parents were most upset about. I, I can tell you, if my if my kids did that, I would have literally like, you know. I don't know what I'd have done, but I don't know how my parents dealt with me because I was quite naughty. But largely, I was good. And, and I still need to appreciate that I am fundamentally broken. You know, there's a, a quote by a guy called R.C. Sproul, um, and it says this, and I love this, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Let me say that again, right? It's a lot. We are not sinners because we sin, we sin because we are sinners. Essentially, the, the nature of humanity is broken. That's the first point. We need to grasp that. You know, people that have had a bad past, made mistakes, they get that. Yeah, I get that. I'm, I'm the problem. But there are some people here this morning that do not realise that fundamentally they, in their heart of hearts, are the issue. And God needs to deal with you, whether you think that you've had a good past, a bad past, or a messed up past, God still needs to deal with our sin. The second truth is this. We are all responsible. When we stand, one day, Mark, Chloe, Connor, Chris, Tim, Joyce will stand before God. You will. And God will ask for an account. And nobody else, you cannot blame anybody else. You can't say it was the school's fault. You can't say it was my parents' fault. You can't say it was someone else's fault. You, all you can say is, it's my responsibility. And every single one of us have to take responsibility. You know, we live in a society which is built around trying to give excuses to us to blame somebody else for why we haven't got the life that we want. That's the world we live in. But before God, everybody is responsible for themselves. So that's the, second, the first truth. That we are all failures outside of God. We are all responsible outside of God. And the third truth is this is that no sin is too big for God to forgive. Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our mistakes. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his great mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east, I don't know if that's east, it's from the west. Well, how far is the east from the west? When are you, when are you going east and when are you going west? He has removed our sins from us. Nowhere in the Bible is there a list of sins that, that if you commit those sins, that's too much for God. God can't deal with those sins. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who made complete messes of their lives. There's murderers, adulterers, thieves, liars, cheaters, and all of them were wonderfully forgiven and set free. There's nothing that's too big for God. The whole, pretty much most of the New Testament is written by a guy called Paul. Now, Paul, in the New Testament, started out life as a Christian killer, right? He went around killing, persecuting, and torturing, capturing Christians. And God said, you know, if, God, if you were thinking, who's going to be my main man for spreading the gospel, spreading the, the, the word of God around the world? I know, I'll pick the guy that's killing my followers, that would be the one that you'd hate the most, surely. But that's the way God works. Everything's in God. So many things are back to front. You see, and this is what we need to get. If we are to realise that we can be free from our past, we need to realise that whoever we are, whatever our past, we've all got one, 
And we need to realise that we need to bring our past before God, that we are all made mistakes, that we've all messed it up, that we're all responsible, but nothing's too big for God to deal with. Amen? And that is where we start. And now we're going to really kick into the, the true second secret that I want to get across to you, that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 18. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. Right? That would be another translation. Now, this is a reference. When, when Paul uses the word creation, where does your mind immediately jump to? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Right? When God created the world. And what did God do when he created the world? What did God do? God took nothing and made something. God took absolutely nothing. God took darkness and brought light. And you see, what God wants to do in your life and my life is he wants to take us out of darkness into light. He wants to take us and make us completely new. Now, many people think that God is a bit like a, a washing machine repairman, right? Okay? That God's a repair guy, right? He's a fixer-upper. And they come to God, and what they're looking for is, you know, someone to come along, God to come along and fix some of the bits that are broken. You know? Maybe I had some, maybe I've made, I feel guilty. I've got like a, a dodgy guilt leg, yeah? Right? And I need some fixing. Right? And I've got, what I want you to do is I want you to deal with my guilt problem just over here. The rest of it is fine, thanks. I don't need any repairs on the rest of me. I'll just fix the bit that's broken. Or maybe I've got an anger problem. Lord, it'd be really great. I come to you and I've got an anger problem. Would you help me with my anger problem? Or, or people come to God and they say, God, you know, yeah, I've, I've had some bad things have happened in my life. I pray that you would uh, help me realise that I, you know, I can have confidence and self-esteem again. God doesn't work like that. You see, you can come to church every single week and view it like a self-help, yeah, a self-help club, right? You come here, right, and we sing songs like, that say wonderful truths, like, uh, you know, you are chosen, you are called, you are blessed, you are loved, all of which is true, by the way, right? But really, all you're doing is you're just getting, you know, it's like having a repairman kind of giving you a bit of a fix-up or a tune-up. And that's not how God works. When we look at this verse, what God says, what, G, what Paul is saying is that what God wants to do with us is not just fix us, not just fix the little bits that are broken. God wants to make us completely and utterly new. And the secret to getting free from your past is realising that God wants to do an entirely new thing, not a fix of the old thing, an entirely new thing. You know, many people think that, you know, you, you, you see people, um, I think of like Terry's dad, Andy Abanchik, right? I love Andy, we all know Andy really well. And I've heard people say about Andy, if Andy were to become a Christian, he'd make a really great Christian. Because really, he really loves to help people and he really loves to work. If Andy comes to God, the only basis that God can deal with him is that, Andy's got, that God wants to start completely with a blank slate. God doesn't just fix up the bits of us that are broken. God wants to do completely a new thing. And it, it, this is one of the most difficult and most deep truths that we have to get hold of in the Christian life. Because so often we're going to God and we're giving him a bit of ourselves. Lord, I'm really struggling with this thing over here. Would you deal with it? And God's like, I'm not really interested in just a bit. I want it all. And that's where so many people come unstuck with God. Because what they want is they want God 
in a little bit. But God doesn't say that, does he? God says, I want to make you a new creation. The whole thing completely new. So that's the, the, the second secret, is that if you're going to get free from your past, God has to completely and utterly remake you. Amen? Amen? Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. This is the third secret. To really get free from our past, what does it say? If we're going to be a new creation, how are we a new creation? It says it in this verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you're to be a new creation, you have to be in Christ. Okay? You have to be in Christ. That's the only way you have to come and get yourself into Christ. And I'm going to illustrate this with, um, uh, with an illustration. I brought with me a glove, right? Uh, and let's, uh, let's take this pack of wipes. Um, now, <coughs> here's my glove. Right? Now my glove, yeah, this was made for a purpose, this glove. Right? It was made to work, wasn't it, this glove? Right? It hasn't done much. Right? <clears throat> um, but uh, it was made to work. This glove was made to do great things. Okay? So, <clears throat> ready? Watch this. Watch this. Glove, pick up the wipes. Come on, glove, pick up the wipes. It's not, not doing it, is it? Do you know what this glove needs? What this glove needs is some words of affirmation and encouragement. Glove, I went to the shop and I specifically chose you. Uh, you are a beautiful glove. The orange shines and the, the yellow glimmers in the sunlight. You are a wonderful glove. Still, still not working, is it? Right? Still not still getting it. What the glove needs is some training. What you do is you get your thumb, finger, and you pick it up. Ready? Okay, right. I've trained you now. I've discipled you. Go. Still not working, is it? No? Okay. How about this? Maybe the, 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 uh, the glove is believing the lies of the enemy. Yeah? Right, that says that it's a bad glove. It was never a counter thing. There's no light. Still not going to make any difference, is it? Right, what about this? Right? Maybe if I, if I get some other gloves to be its friend, to come around it, maybe it will, it will do well if it has some other friend gloves. Yeah? Maybe what it needs is some encouragement. Right? Still nothing. Still nothing. Maybe the glove needs to make a commitment. What the glove needs is a commitment. Yeah, you've got to really commit, dedicate yourself to Jesus and then you can redo it. Doesn't work, does it? You're getting, you're getting bored of my illustration now, aren't you? Yeah? I think we all know where this is going, don't we? The only way this glove is going to fulfil its purpose is if it's in, is if Jesus' life feels it, if my hand feels it, then it can pick up the wipes. Then it can do something. You see, the only way that you and I can fulfil what God has made us to be, be the people that God has made us to be, is if we're in Christ. And so many people are trying to get God on the outside. They're not letting God deal on the inside. And then they're wondering why their life doesn't work. You're saying, oh, I've tried to believe the truth that I can be free of my past. And you're not getting anywhere with it. And the truth is you haven't really allowed Jesus to come and be in you and fill you and fill your whole life. You see, the truth is, is that if we are to be free of our past and our shame and our mistakes. The only way is that God wants to completely remake us and the only way that God completely remakes us is by filling us with himself. So how do you get into Christ? How, what is the route for God's hand to come and put itself in your life? 
And the answer is this. It's through the cross. It's through the cross. It's through coming and bringing your life before the cross. And the problem is, is that so many of us, really when the truth comes to it, we don't want to bring our past to the cross. You know, uh, Helen and I have a friend, uh, or a couple friend, uh, very good friends, we've known them for a long time, um, uh, and they don't go to this church, and uh, a few years ago they suffered a miscarriage. It was really sad, like they got to the 12-week scan and they discovered that the baby had, uh, had, had died a week or so earlier and they had to go through the horrible experience of, of having the baby uh, taken out of them. Uh, and uh, it was really tough. And, and they're Christians, like they're both really strong Christians, been Christians there most of their lives. Um, and they knew all the right stuff in their head. And, and Helen was chatting to uh, the lady, and they were just talking, and she was expressing her disappointment, her sadness, her anger. And I don't know quite how it went, and I don't know whether, I think Helen just kind of made a comment, which went something along the lines of, the problem is, is if you give up your anger and you give up your hurt and you give up your pain, your sadness, then what you're left with is nothing. You've got nothing, nothing left. You know, you've let it go and you haven't got anything. You've not got a baby and you've not even got the feelings of anger and frustration that, that you should have from not having a baby. What you, you've got is nothing. And uh, obviously it was a very impactful statement because obviously it didn't mean much at the time, but then a week or so later she phoned Helen up and said, you know, I think that was God that spoke to you through those, those words. Because I realise that's the issue, that I am afraid to let go of all my pain and my hurt because then I'm left with nothing. And you know, there's many people that have got a past and even though we kind of hate our past or we don't like our past or alternatively we're good and we kind of love our past, the truth is is that we kind of, even though we might not like it, we kind of don't want to let it go. And we kind of want to hang on to it and we kind of want to say you know, if I have to let go of my past, then it means that what I'm going to have is nothing. I'm going to have to start fresh. All the things that I thought I was, all the things that I've become accustomed to, all the things I'm familiar with are going to change. I'm not sure if I want that. What I want, God, is to feel better. Mm, put my hands in the air. Say, Lord, would you make me feel better? God doesn't do that. If you want to get free from your past, from the things that chain you up, there's only one way. You have to bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ. You have to bring it and put it to death. You see, when we've, we've sung about the cross this morning, and what happened at the cross is that Jesus went to the cross and took our sin and our shame on his shoulders. That's what the Bible says. And we have to, you know, we were unfortunately at a funeral um, uh, last week and it was a sad funeral and you know the purpose of a funeral um, is to say goodbye you know when you go to a funeral what you're doing is you're going and you're saying goodbye to that that you love aren't you you're you're kind of it's an opportunity for us to gather around and say you know we're we're sad we say goodbye you and I need to hold a funeral for our past you and I need to have a funeral which says it's been nice knowing you but it's time for you to die and you know, that's the key, you know, and that's the problem. So many people don't want to let go. They don't want to say goodbye to their past. They don't want to let go of the pain of the thing because the pain is what's defined 40, 50, 60 years of their life. The things that you've believed about yourself that you know aren't really true have kind of shaped everything about you. And so you're like, I don't really want to let it go. 
Or maybe you've just had a good life and you think, I'm a good guy, really. I don't really need to let God really deal with me because you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. Fundamentally, we all have to come to that place. I have had to come to that place where I realise that all of my cleverness and my education, which I'm very proud of my education, meaningless to the Lord. I have made so many mistakes that have let God down over and over again and he's loved me just the same. And I am just as bad in the Lord's eyes, right, in, in terms of sin, as anybody else. And I need God just as much as anybody else. And so this morning, if we are to come, I can't, you know, I could have preached a sermon like seven steps to freedom from your past. It's really quite simple. You need to bring your past to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I am done with it. I'm going to say goodbye to it. I want to be completely and utterly remade in your image. Amen. And so then we come to the last secret about our past that I want to share with you. And it's in the second, so we've read verse 17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. But verse 18 says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, this glove, right, you and I, were made to show people the way to Jesus. You know, and what happens is you, you may have had a good past, a bad past, an ugly past, right? And I think the temptation is to somehow want that if we come to God, that what we have to do is that we have to completely, like, forget our past, like, like it didn't happen, like the first 50 years of my life or the first 18 years of my life just didn't happen. Is that what the Bible says? When we look, right... Uh, there's a story in, the, in the, uh, the story of Jesus and he, he delivers a man who's been possessed by many, many demons. And he was a very violent man, very angry man, very troubled man. And Jesus comes and sets him free. And then there's this amazing story. And this guy says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And you would think that Jesus' response would have been great. Another follower to get on the Jesus train, yeah? But another guy to kind of follow around, to make a crowd along with me. But do you know what Jesus says to that person? Joe, you know he says to the, the man with the many demons? He says to him, go back to your hometown and tell everybody what I've done. He says, go back and tell everybody about your past. Well, surely you should have forgotten his past. You should have said, I'm going to block that last however many years out of my life. I'm a new creation now. I don't need to worry about the old. No, it's the opposite. Paul, right, who writes in the New Testament, was had his terrible history. He made a complete mess of his life, right? Okay, he did all kinds of bad things. And what he says is he uses over and over again in the New Testament the story of his failures and his mistakes, not as a kind of look at poor old me, but look at what God has done. And you and I can have a story to tell. You know, there are other people who live next door to you or live down the road to you or you work alongside who have gone through similar things or are going through similar things to you. And God doesn't want you to forget about your past. God wants you to show the glory of his work in your past. That you can look and say, if you knew what I was like, now, those not, some of you, like Joyce, will remember me as a, as a child, right, okay? Um, I, I, have, I grew up as a good boy, really, but I was proud, very proud. And I was very arrogant. I was very full of myself. You might think I'm still full of myself. I kind of am, really, but the Lord is dealing with that in me, right? 
But I was a proud and arrogant young man who thought that I knew what I was doing. I was managing teams, you know, at work, age 23, 24. I was kind of, you know, leading bigger teams and I was great. I was an amazing leader. Yeah, I was the man, right? And I've had to deal with that. And if you knew what I was like, it's amazing to see that I'm not, that's all that I realise that now that I'm, compared to what I thought I was, I'm actually not, not very good at all. But I know that God loves me and I'm actually more confident than I used to be. But no, I'm not confident in myself, I'm confident that God's made me. I'm not ashamed of my past. But, I t- I'm, not, I, it, but I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that God has done something in me. And you and I are called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to tell the glory of God. So I want to finish with this, uh, this thought for you. That your past might explain how you've come to this point. Your past will explain how you've arrived here today. All the things that have led up to this. But in the Lord, your past does not define your future. What's happened to you in the past should not define you because we are to be defined now by the fact that we are in Christ, that we are new creations, that we are, can fully understand what it means to be loved, what it means to be called, what it means to be chosen, what it means to live in his grace and his kindness and his love. We're not even trying to tell ourselves it. We know it to be true in our hearts. And this morning, if you know that there are things that you have just not dealt with in your past, if you know that you're trying really hard to get away from God, but that elastic is pulling you back, this morning I believe God wants to touch your life. God wants to deal with you. Gently. Gently. And I'm going to lead the worship, and we're going to sing a song, which is an old hymn, which says, is called, I Surrender All. I Surrender All. Because it's really quite simple, isn't it? It says, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. And if you know this morning that there are things that you're dealing with and you're struggling with in your past, you're not free with, this morning I believe the Lord is saying to you, I want to make you completely new. I want to deal with the things in your past. I'm not going to fix you up. I'm going to make you completely new. And you've got to come into me. But the only way of coming into Christ is through the cross. And the only way of going through the cross is coming and saying, Lord, I surrender my past, my present, my future, everything I am to you. And I believe as we do that, God will release something new in you and you will become a trophy of his grace, a trophy of what, you, of what the Lord has done in your life. Amen. Amen. So let's. Uh, I'm, 